Welcome to Triangle 411, the pulse that moves the Triangle world today. It's a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, what's trending, social good, events, and boundless other adventures. A conversation pit of comedians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Innsbrucker. Hi, friends. If only. If only I would have, could have, should have. (laughs) How many times have you heard yourself saying those words and worse, feeling those thoughts? Why do we dump that stuff on ourselves? Why? Why are we never good enough? Why are we always waiting for someone or something to make it all better? A new love, more money, or or of course the eternal bugger, lose weight. It bugs us all the time. We gotta lose weight for that class reunion. We gotta lose weight for the wedding. We gotta lose weight for the trip. (laughs) there's where I go wrong because I go on a trip and put it all back on. But why? We need to, right now, be okay with ourselves. Be okay with ourselves, right now. We're speaking today with Sarah Harper Huntington, a life coach who is going to share some of the reasons people feel so unfulfilled, and how to just get over it. Get over it. Welcome, Sarah. Oh, it's good to be with you. Listen, let's get into this subject matter. Why we just, you know, can't be happy where we're at. And you know, we've heard all the stats and read the headlines. We're the richest country in the world, yet we have the highest rates of depression and anxiety. Why do you think that is? Well, we feel ultimately very connected to one another because we can be we can be so through the digital world and that can feel like connection at first, but I think we've lost a lot of our normal ways of communicating and having community. So we've stopped tuning into that inner knowing of what we feel is true for ourselves and have abdicated in many ways that assuredness, that worthiness to external metrics like followers or number of friends or likes or where your child goes to college. And um, and it, it those are empty metrics, right? So we've kind of abdicated our own measure of success outward. But when you stop people in the street and ask them, what do you want out of life? Most people will give you the canned answer of, I want more money, I want to be successful and happy, and I, and I want to be in love. But if you ask them a secondary question of, okay, what does that look like to you? It's very hard for them to come up with specifics. And so I think most people just lack a little bit of clarity around what it is that would make them happy. And, you know, you say most people are waiting for something out there in the external environment to take away their emptiness or bring them happiness And, um, you know, this is, again, what's wrong with this line of thinking and how is it holding us Hmm. back? 
Well, humans are notoriously bad at knowing what actually makes them happy. We've all heard people say things like, well, when my boss gives me a raise, I'll make more money and then I'll be happy. Or if I lose more weight, I'll fit into those pre-pregnancy genes and then I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. When I find a new love, I won't be lonely. But then we see them later and despite achieving that thing, they're still unhappy. So, you know, a new a new pursuit has taken its place. We've kind of purchased the big ticket item um, thinking, oh, you'll be so happy only if you to slip back into um, that state a few days later. So we've been conditioned to chase dopamine hits, not lasting happiness. You know, the phone is dinging. We, we look at what that is. We see a new like on something. We, we've turned into an instant gratification sort of society. And so, you know, we tune into those things instead, like I said, about the internal measures of success. Um, it's estimated that only 10% of happiness comes from these external factors. The rest is biology and your mindset. So now we even have epigenetics, so you can kind of hack the biology part too and raise your happiness set point. But most people are um, convinced they won't experience happiness until they see evidence of it in their life. In fact, the opposite is true. When you feel wealthy, you'll experience wealth. When you feel loved, you'll attract love. You, you said something that's kind of sticking with me. I don't want to leave this um, this particular talking point just yet because you're right. Uh, and the big ticket, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. When I get you know, that, like that house of my bag. dreams yeah. or, you know, oh, if I only could get a Corvette. Yep. And then you say, but then we replace it with something else. What are we doing there? What's going on that we need to constantly replace the goals that we've already achieved? Well, part of it is ignoring sort of the negative emotions. So again, we've kind of, we've gotten really used to not feeling. So we we chase um, some highs and that can be in the form of dopamine or serotonin. Um, We want our brain, we want to feel good. We want to pursue that. And that, that makes sense, right? Biologically, but, um, but we, we don't sit with any emotion other than good feelings. So we often will, you know, you hear a story on the radio and it's kind of painful. You flip this channel, you're in line and it's uncomfortable because people around you aren't really talking. And so you open up your phone, right? So we don't really spend a whole lot of time, you know, being in that uncomfortable place. So that's a lot of what I'm seeing is that just allowing yourself to feel both sides of emotion is, um, is a new thing, especially for young folks. Now, what about the fact that people do have hard times and experience pain and loss? Sure, sure. And pain is real. Loss is real. Um, and they should be felt and they should be processed. Um, I listen to people all day long and I really tune into what they're saying. It's not always the circumstances of our life that cause suffering. It's the thoughts and emotions about the circumstances that cause suffering. So if you've lost someone dear to you, it is difficult and it's hard and it should be felt and processed and experienced and grieved, but it's often the things that we put ourselves through later, the narratives that we create that keep the suffering going. We're really good at keeping suffering going for ourselves. And that is just a function of the mind. It helps to keep us safe, but we can override that if we want to. And I think part of that is just taking some time for awareness. And you can't be self-aware if you're constantly numbing out feelings with shopping or um, eating or drinking or doing drugs, like we, we have to start feeling our emotions. So what do you mean by that as far as, um, uh, okay. So if you did lose a loved one and you're saying it's the, it's the way you think about it rather than what's actually how happening, 
how should you think about it? Or how do you mm-hmm. turn, you know, turn those thoughts in your mind? That's a great question. The answer is always gratitude and love. It's always gratitude and love. I, I myself lost my mom recently. It was a tragic loss. She was very young, died of cancer. The only way I felt better was to really recognize that I was so lucky to have her, to spend time thinking. It may have been a short time, but it was an amazing time. And I'm so grateful for that. So, you know, if you can turn the situation into a higher vibration emotion, higher vibration emotions allow us to attract more of that same thing in. So have you ever seen someone who's sort of going through life mumbling and grumbling and they have the same sort of scenarios keep happening? They lose job after job. They kind of, it's a scenario of like you stub your toe, but then you, then you're mad about that. And then you slam your door, your finger in the door. Mm -hmm. And then one thing after another just keeps going. It's the same with, with high Um, vibration emotion as well. So I turned a lot of my pain into gratitude and love, and it instantly made me feel better. Now, again, emotions come and go. Mm -hmm. There are waves of grief and everything else, and you should feel them and not turn away from them. Pain is real, but suffering happens in the mind. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, So this is kind of a different aspect to what we're talking about, but I did want to throw it in here. We always want to play it safe. Are mm-hmm. there advantages to taking chances? Oh my gosh, absolutely. So the brain's job is to keep us safe, right? So we have to understand that we'll often try to dissuade you from taking risks. And sometimes that's a good thing, right? Don't jump off the bridge because your friend did. But um, as we mentioned before, it's because we have never done this thing before. The fear is there because you've never done it before. And the brain is saying, wait, hold on a minute. We've never done this. Um, But as soon as you do, the brain literally, literally rewires to say, oh, now we know how to do this thing. This is not so bad. We could do this again with maybe no or less fear. Um, the, the important thing to note about this actually is the rewiring happens even if you fail at the risky endeavor. So let's say it's white water rafting and you know, you're like, I want to stay in the boat. This is scary. It, but you pop out of the boat. You're your brain will still say, oh, we can do this now. This is something we we can do and it won't be so scary. So the real benefit is to do is to trying new things. It also helps your brain get out of the routine. So we're, we're very routine, you know, human beings are very routine and they tend to get up on the same side of the bed every day and do the same things every day. And it doesn't challenge us much. So we end up, you know, going through life, five years can go by and you've lived most weekdays the same exact way. And so, you know, changing up routine and, and taking even just slight changes to your day can really help remind the brain that you can do different and new things and it can be exciting and fresh. Mm-hmm. So someone who's looking to take on a new job, maybe something they've mm-hmm. never done before, but mm-hmm. people think they can do it. And so again, they'll have the fear that I've never done this before. I don't know if I can do this. What would be their path to success with something like that? So I think, you know, it's a probably, a, that's a pretty big question. It'd be interesting to understand how far out of maybe their normal experience this type of job is? Is it just a reach um, objective for them, something that's in their industry, but not necessarily something they've done before, or is it completely new industry? So I'd want to know more details about that. But generally speaking, most of what holds us back is our own internal dialogue about what's wrong with us, how we're not enough, or we don't have what it takes. And we aren't willing to put ourselves out there, even to 
be told no. So the, the, the worry of rejection, the fear of rejection is one of those many things that holds us back. And um, if you can get beyond that and tell yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen? They tell me no. The worst thing that could happen, maybe worst case scenario, they embarrass me in front of other people and say, you have no right to come in here and interview for this job. You don't have any experience. Imagine that's just the worst thing. That's not so bad, right? That's not mm -hmm. so bad. Mm -hmm. But it's those thoughts that oh, I couldn't possibly or, oh, that's not for me or, oh, that's not, I'm not skilled enough. I'm not experienced enough. It's what we tell ourselves. If you could stop and say, what if, what if they have an opening that they're willing to fill? What if they're really shorthanded right now? What if, what if they like my personality? What if I'm a fit for the company values and they can teach me to do the job? We never ask the what if. When most people, when they say what if, they go, what if they don't like me? What if I can't? What if I fail? What if you flip, flip that around and said, what if they love me? What if I'm a perfect fit? Mm-hmm. There's what, if, what a change, right? Right, exactly. There's a saying that goes, not what if, but why not? And yes. I, I like that kind of attitude. Um, yes. So why not me? Why, you right. know, that kind of thing. So now I'm going to go, I'm going to ask you for three strong practical tips in a moment. But before, just generally, what is the answer to feeling happier and more fulfilled? Yeah, so I think um, one is knowing who you are at your core. And again, I think we kind of abdicate that to other people. Like, what do other people tell me? I, other people tell me I'm worthy. Other people tell me I'm pretty. Other people tell me I'm, 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 I'm successful is really going within. So that's something we don't do very often. I really recommend kind of centering and really identifying who you are now, not as not a person, like not in the past, but who are you now, right? The brain is a record of the past and it's often going to replay what it knows about you. So my name is Sarah. I was born in New Jersey. I went to NC State. I have a master's degree. I'm a child of divorce. I have trauma, blah, blah, blah. It's going to, those are the things that it filters on, right? Um, and the brain takes in something like 2 million bits of information a second and it filters it down to what we can really handle, which is like 125 bits of information a second, which is far more manageable. But unless you provide your brain with new parameters, it's going to filter on all that past stuff, what you've done and what it thinks, who you, it thinks you are. And this is why so many people will you know, repeat almost the past experiences over and over again. But when you give the brain new information, the brain will filter on this as well. I mean, have you ever made a decision to buy a new car, Mary, and you, let's say you select like a white Volkswagen ID4, and then suddenly you see white ID4s everywhere. Mm -hmm. So did Volkswagen start making more of those cars? No, you've told your brain that's what you're thinking about. And the reticular activating system in your brain is showing you evidence or confirmation of what you want. So you could think of the brain like a GPS, you know, why travel the roads of your past and stay safe? Give your brain a new destination such as you know, I'd like to be a consultant um, and set my own hours and be in charge of my own worth based on all my experience. And then sit back and let your brain filter on this new information and show you the people, the circumstances, and the opportunities that say, yes, you are a consultant. I like it. I like it a <laughs> lot. And it's always, it, it's always a biggie not to live in the past because none of us yes. are the same we were when we were six or no. 20 or et cetera. So every day you learn, you grow, you change. So to base your yeah. whole life on things that happen in the past 
it's just it's just negative energy really because you are who you are now and you have more skill sets and knowledge and abilities than you had at different ages so where you may have failed at something in the past you'll succeed now and you know there's failure in every success so that's okay too so we're never going back there right we're just never going back to the past so who are you now is a much better exercise than saying i was i was a football player in high school what does relevance does that have now you know we just sort of tend to get wrapped up in those things and they become this armor we wear but it's really important at each stage to kind of go who am i and who do i want to be and then the other piece of advice about being happier and more fulfilled i will just say I I see it over and over. One of the things most people do as soon as they wake up in the morning is look at the thing in front of them that gets their mind racing with thoughts of not enoughness, of stress and comparison. I don't look at my phone for at least an hour every day. I don't use it to wake me up. I use a regular old alarm clock because I know that if I go into an app or my email, I all my my thoughts are already out the gate and I don't get to control the first thoughts of the day and I'd like to control my first thoughts of the day. I want to I want to wake up like you said and look in the mirror and feel good about who I am and and know where I'm headed and know what I'm doing that day rather than let some other train of thought run away with from me, you know? Mm-hmm. And and it can set the tone to your whole day. <laughs> the first Absolutely. thing you do is look at a, a negative email or text. There goes your day. So that's really good advice. Do you have any more practical tips for us for putting away the would haves, the could haves, and especially the should haves? Yes. So again, those are thoughts from the past, right? If I, if if I had only, um, so I would start with self-awareness. So experts say we have between 30 and 70,000 thoughts a day. Most of them are unhelpful or similar to the thoughts you had the day before. So start by writing down what are your would-haves, your could-haves, your should-have statements? Where do you think they came from? Are they from society? Are they from your family? Were there a lot of expectations for you and rules? Most of those are arbitrary and they can be changed. But starting with knowing what your brain says, like most people aren't aware of the running dialogue in their head and what sort of negative statements are being said. So knowing what those are is really helpful. Then identify which seem to hold you back and, and recognize that at the root of those is resentment and shame. Um, like for instance, here's a, here's a good example. I would have been a great artist if my parents had let me drop out of law school. Mm-hmm. That's a resentment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I should have married, uh, Dustin. I wouldn't be divorced now if I just married him. There's shame behind that statement, right? So becoming aware and noticing how and when the stories you tell yourself allow you to keep you stuck and then ask the question, is that really true? Is it really true that if I'd married Dustin, I wouldn't be divorced who knows? We don't know, right? There's no There's no way to know that. So what you then should do is just shift into the present, leave that behind and say, okay, the past is gone. None of us are going back there. What, do, what we do have is the present moment, finding happiness in this moment and make the decision to drop the would have, could have, should have and replace it with that what if statement. What if I could still be an artist? What if becoming an artist is as easy as making time for painting? What if I stopped thinking about Dustin and focused on building a new life that I love? Um, so that would be my my recommendation. Three tips to sort of like, you know, start with self-awareness, notice what you say, identify which ones are the worst and root them out and notice if they're attached to shame or resentment and then shift into the present moment. That's really all we have. So, And then if you give your brain a sense of what would success look like, what would make me happy, what would doing something every couple of days bring me joy and then 
with that new information, allow your brain to filter on that and find you opportunities and people and connections and, and situations where you can become that person. That sounds fantastic. You sure gave us a lot of tools to use. And I appreciate you being here so much. If if our listeners would like to learn more, how may they connect with you? Oh, probably the, one of the best ways would be on Instagram because we can send messages back and forth. Um, my handle is at Sarah Harper Huntington. My website is also sarahharperhuntington.com. And my uh, TikTok is uh, growing by leaps and bounds. And that is at Success Coach Sarah. So those are three great places to find me. Well, I'm glad we found you today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Mary. It was a pleasure. Well, it is time to high five and say goodbye. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today's pocket, shine.